Hello and welcome to episode 167 of What Most People Think. And if your my voice sounds a little bit more husky than usual, that would be because I only got back from Las Vegas uh, on Monday night, and I'm recording this Wednesday uh, just before 1 p.m. So yeah, I, I, I don't know if it's a bit of a cold or the drinking or the shouting or the talking, but uh, I, I'm still I'm still recovering. But you know what happens in Vegas. No, I'll tell you everything that happened in Vegas shortly. Uh, one, one thing that always um, surprises me going to Las Vegas is when you're reminded that the literal translation of Las Vegas is the meadows. <laughs> Doesn't sound as good, does it? What happens in the meadows stays in the meadows. That sounds like someone got fucking murdered. Uh, but anyway, this is what most people think. This is the podcast, a, a topical comedy podcast, weekly and ad-free, where we talk about the big political and social issues of the day, and we try to come to of you on what are the public really thinking, you know, not through the means of, of social media or, or classic mass media or print media. What, what is what is your average person thinking about everything that's going on now, whether it's the continued uh, hashtag turmoil, chaos in the markets, or whether or not uh, Nicola Sturgeon should have uh, said that she detests Tories and what they stand for, or whether or not it's John Cleese getting a show on uh, GB News. We will be talking about all those things as the show progresses. But before we get to all that, let's just have a little chat about um, Vegas. I We got there on the Wednesday night quite late, just had one drink, went to bed. And then on the first day, you know, by the pool, drinking, drinking, drinking throughout the day. Then we went to see David Copperfield in the evening. You know, the illusionist, the magician, he's still going. He's still going. He's not as big as he was. He's, he's still going. He's still doing the illusions, making stuff disappear and appear. And um, I asked when we went in the bar outside, I asked for a large gin and tonic. And you know what that means in this country, right? I should have really thought what the word large means in the US. It was 32 ounce drink. You know, you know, the biggest drink that you take into the cinema in the UK, like, but you would you just have Sprite in there. I had something that size, but with gin and tonic in and, and for some reason, like an idiot, because it looked like a cinema drink, I drank it like a cinema drink, just had my straw out, watching David Copperfield, and I, got, I just got so into it, I just got lost, uh, I lost. I got lost in the magic of the thing, I started to think, is he really magic, is he a magic guy? And then I was thinking, well, if he, if he was really magic, that's, that's the point, isn't it? Whenever you're enjoying magic, you think there's only two possibilities here. Either he's really good at doing tricks, or he's actually a magic person. There's a part of me that thinks if he can actually make stuff disappear or appear. I think the American government have got a track record of being interested in that sort of thing. I don't think he'd be doing a show at Vegas, but he might have his own room in Roswell and be doing fucking testing on him. Uh, but I got into it. I submitted to it. And I, I, you know, the, um, the gin and tonic has certainly helped uh, lower my resistance to, <laughs> to it. Um, but I overdid it on the first night and, and uh, just, just your proper Mr. Fahrenheit. Don't stop me now. Uh, you know, you know when your wife's telling you just go to bed, Jeff. Oh, you're always ruining my fight. <laughs> you always know that one half of a, a marriage is is drunk when they start. Oh, you're just trying to cramp my style. You know, like you're some kind of uh, Oliver Reed type rock and roll figure that's just being kept back from that lifestyle on a daily basis. Uh, but I went to bed and then we had a wedding of our friends. Big shout out to both of those guys, and it was a real honour to be there because it was a uh, a surprise wedding. And so we turned up at the uh, the little chapel 
there. And it was quite a wonderful thing to see my friends come in and um, and just see the look on their faces. I mean, I thought they coped very well. I think if I'd have suddenly unexpectedly seen a lot of my friends in a small chapel in Vegas unexpectedly, I might have just started lashing out. You know, you know when your, your body just gets thrown into fight or flight and you just start throwing punches just in, <laughs> in general uh, confusion. But it was... Um, <clears throat> luckily by that point in the day you know what it's like when you've got a serious hangover it's almost like having uh it's almost like having someone with you for the day it's like you're someone you've got to take care of you go okay right i've got a hangover i've got to go and give this thing a walk i've got to give, give this thing breakfast maybe go for a swim just psychologically i feel like i've done something good maybe pick the right moment to have another kit because if you if you try too early and you can't sleep the anxiety just goes up and um, so I'm, I was I was on decent form during the wedding was uh, the service and was able able to enjoy that fully. But then we were we drove out to a really nice place for uh, uh, some food afterwards, and and I ordered and I forgot about American portions again. Put it this way, I couldn't finish the salad. I couldn't fin not because I didn't like it. It was just massive. It was massive. The croutons were the size of bread rolls. It was like I was in some other. It was like, it's like being in some other world sometimes in the states where you just feel like, you, honey, did I, sh- honey, I shrunk the Brits. That's what it feels like. You're this smaller figure going around in a world of giant alcoholic drinks and huge croutons and giant steaks. And uh, so I couldn't finish the the salad. And then when the meat came out, I just felt I just felt sh- ashamed. I'd ordered like uh, ribs and um, half a chicken. I, I, I didn't even. I didn't even. Uh, I barely registered on that and I just thought I just thought you know look I'm a meat eater but I don't think animals should die in vain I would say if you are going out to the states a couple of little Jeff tips here little hacks is um do your currency exchange through post office click and collect this is not an advert by the way of course this show is funded by our wonderful patrons but um that seemed to be the best exchange rate um get get uh duty freeze on the way out there because you'll be doing you'll be doing some drinking in your room (laughs) when you see those prices You'll be drinking in your room like Nicolas Cage and leaving Las Vegas, just be sinking to the bottom of a swimming pool. Just because it's expensive, it's expensive. So I, I think that the thing with Brits going to the US now is obviously people will still go there, but the people will just adjust their behaviours once they're out there. So you will see, I don't know, small campsites popping up on the outskirts of town. People just instead of tailgating for fun, just tailgating because that's the most uh, economical way to eat. Oh, by the way, the best advert when we was in a cab going to um, the pool party. There was an advert for, for an event that was happening in Vegas and it was called Tailgating and Titties. Tailgating and Titties. Do you want to, do you like tailgating? Do you like titties? You ever tried tailgating and titties? And um, yeah, I mean, I, I tried though. My, my wife wasn't up for a last minute change of plan. I mean, I, t- I just find it, I, that way, the Americans, the way that they say titties, anyone else find that a bit creepy? They're just titties. You like titties? It's, it's just, Tits, tits and boobs, they're fu- sort of funny words, titties, there's something, I, I don't know about you, am I, am I alone on that, is it that just one of those words that doesn't sound quite quite right, it just sounds a bit uh, creepy, but yeah, anyway, back from Las Vegas, as you could probably hear, and like most of the holidays I go on, uh, I come. some sensible people come back feeling recharged, I come back feeling uh, like I need to sleep for about a week. Okay, so just throwing back to last week's show, we've got Domain Talking Point, and um, David got in contact with me to say that Simon Evans is always a top choice of guests. I mean, you know, Simon was able to be that erudite and funny and interesting, whilst uh, those of you that listened to episode 166, you'll know that he was sort of moving from cafes to just standing on the street at one point, sitting on a wall, 
but always great company. Um, we spoke about the fact that Warrington claimed to be the centre of the nation. Now, this is sort of contested because you think about where Warrington is, you sort of think it's the northwest. But I guess the centre of the nation, I guess if they extended it to the west coast of Northern Ireland, perhaps you'd, you'd get away with it then. But David suggests that the centre of the nation is actually uh, Lindley Hall Farm in Leicestershire, uh, near Fenny Drayton. Fenny Drayton. I mean, Fenny Drayton, <laughs> it just sounds like a euphemism for a girl's never-nevers. Oh, she had her old Fenny Drayton out, didn't she? She had her old funny, it was out for all to see. She was giving it some air, weren't she? She was giving it some air, well-ventilated. She had the most well-ventilated Fenny Drayton you've ever seen. Um, so the whole set, the centre of the UK as a whole is actually Morecambe, Morecambe Bay. So, um, yeah, maybe these places should be the cap. Maybe we should have an Olympics in, in Fenny Drayton. Yeah, have you ever been up the Fenny Drayton? I'm sure you have, sir. I've seen what you do on a weekend. Uh, new patrons. Oh, by the way, so a, a reminder that for patrons, the shows next year, uh, the 20, was it, 25th of January, which is a Wednesday, and then the first Thursday in March, we're in Leeds. So uh, details will be coming about those. So obviously stay on board with the Patreon thing and sign up if you want to be a part of that because there'll be all sorts of free tickets coming. Obviously board members and VIPs are uh, guaranteed entry and then there will be tickets that will be sort of uh, distributing by tiers. So do stay tuned for all of that. Speaking of which, we've got a new VIP uh, patron, Stephen Godfrey. Stephen Godfrey. That is too po- That's posh on posh, isn't it, that name? Stephen Godfrey. I don't know if you're in a relationship, Stephen Godfrey, but I bet you any money when your missus or your partner told her parents who she was dating, they were like, well, that's fine. And they're like, no, but he, no, we don't need to know anything else. He's called Stephen Godfrey. It's Stephen with a PH. Brilliant. Stephen Godfrey. Stephen Godfrey. He sounds like a, a law partnership all, all, all on himself. Stephen Godfrey and Godfrey's. Uh, so welcome to the VIP patron, Stephen Godfrey. We'll be doing uh, the patron-only episode this month. And just remember that VIPs, you get guaranteed inclusion. Your your questions, as long as they're not racist or litigious, uh, will be included in the VIP patrons. And also a special welcome to the VIP for Nicholas Tall. Welcome, Nicholas Tall. It's your 50th birthday. And I believe that your missus has set this up for you. Uh, as a present, what a great idea! I mean, this is this is your missus has done a marketing job for me here. If you've got partner, is your fella difficult to buy for? I mean, this is me now doing one of those podcast adverts. Is your fella difficult to buy for? Well, why not get him a what most people think subscription? That's right. He can message Jeff Norcott and annoy him and just say weird shit to him when he's drunk on Merlot. That's got to be worth a monthly subscription. <laughs> that is. Also, he'll take the piss out of your name. Well, Nicholas Tall. Um, it's sort of so obvious where you would go with Nicholas Tall. I mean, the 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 difficulty with any surname or name, indeed, that implies a quality. You know, it's, I've always thought that about girls' names. Like, if you're called Destiny, and you end up, you know, um, and your life is, is shit. I mean, that that's tricky, isn't it? Or Harmony, and you can't fucking sing. And if you're called Mister Tall, and you're, you know, five for eight and a half, which is average for a UK male. I'm increasingly realising that maybe below average, but um, so I hope Nick Tall, uh, Nick Tall, uh, <laughs> that Nick Tall, yes, yeah, so that that sounds like another euphemism for nothing, like Nish Nada, Nick Tall, absolutely Nick Tall. We got Nick Tall out of that, got Nick Tall. So uh, welcome Nicholas Tall. We'll be saying hello to other new patrons uh, a bit later in the show. 
Just before we get into the politics for this week, a quick thank you and a fuck you. Thank you for everybody listening to my Radio 4 show, which went out on Tuesday night, Jeff Arendam. Um, I've got to say an extra thank you to the people in the audience that night. As some of you would already know, we had an issue with a punter kicking off. and it, I mean, it, when I listened to it back, it took about seven and a half minutes to actually deal with it. And at one point, I, I thought, oh, I might have to fight him. But we got back on with it. And, um, you know, I'm really pleased with the outcome. And it's one of those shows, I think I think that there could be a series in it. So we're going to try our best uh, to get that recommissioned. But just check my social medias or, or Patreon where I've sent you the link for where you can listen to that on BBC Sounds. And obviously, it all helps with the analytics, the numbers, you know, the socials uh, in, in terms of getting a, an, an extra run of that. Uh, fuck you to airlines. Do planes, right? Do planes ever take off on time anymore? Did they ever? Was that ever a thing? You know, when they say, oh, it departs at 16.50, is that just like some nominal fucking notional aspirational? You know, like when I put on your to-do list every year, you'll have like learn a new language. Is that how airlines treat departure times? Like that's something that if, you know, if we absolutely have nothing else to do and there's nothing else going on, we, we might take off on time because they never do. Post-COVID, everything, and I think it's worse post-COVID because we know that they had to limit passenger numbers. Everything is slower, right? Fast food is slow. I've lived long enough to see fast to see food be slow, then become fast food, and then fast food to become slow. What an incredible life that is. Uh, I mean, it's not quite up there with being around for the birth of uh, sort of jet engines or microchips, but, you know, it's something. And every, everything's slower now. Fast food is slow. When you go there and you order your food... And the idea is they want it all cooked fresh. Great. But then 20 minutes later, you're standing there like a fucking drug addict with all the other drug addicts. And I've said this before, but 20 minutes is too long to think back on your choices as a man. As you're there, you're waiting. for. I mean, what, that can go both ways as well. You're waiting for a quarter pound of a cheese meal. 20 minutes, you could either decide that was a terrible decision or that you should have added six nuggets. So it could go both ways. So, the, yeah, the plane gets in the air, you know, and they casually go, oh, you know, we're, good. we're actually going to make our slot. And they, they always say, well, oh, we've missed our slot. Well, we've made, we have missed our slot now. We've been pushing back. We're going to wait there. I have applied for a new... Who, which airlines are not missing their slots? Can we, we just start making... If there was an airline that went, we actually fucking take off when we say we're going to... And I know there will be people, if you want to email in and explain to me all the reasons I'm wrong, what most people think, uk at gmail.com. I know that there's a, it's a complicated process, but if there was an airline that were just called slots, and it's just like, we make our fucking slot. Do you know what I mean? When you see it overhead, the plane, when it's taxiing down the runway, it's just like shoulder barging other planes out of the way. Slots. We make our slot. Okay, let's talk a bit about politics now and the ongoing market turmoil, chaos, devastation, other words. Okay, so I get back from Las Vegas and obviously a little bit of respite from the news cycle, but I get back in and there's market turmoil, it's still carrying on, the devastation. I mean, it is funny that we're still calling it uh, a mini budget, isn't it? That is a sort of hilarious quirk of history. I don't know if anything that small has caused that much devastation. I mean, it's sort of inspirational for men with small dicks everywhere, isn't it? The mini-budget absolutely wreaked havoc on the little little three-incher. Absolutely destroyed the world economy. But, um, I mean, one thing I do think, right, is obviously, you know, I'm understanding a lot of the criticisms of the government. I I don't fully agree with all of them, but I understand where some of them are coming from. It is interesting at the moment, the, the amount of light being shone on 
positive and, and negative financial news, right? There's no denying that the budget had an immediate effect on, on the pound, you know, and on, on gilt markets. I mean, is that, can we just say that that is a new expert that we could do without? I never, it's amazing how these big news stories throw up instant experts. It felt like the same twats that were suddenly like epidemiologists or experts on the, the R rate. Remember that? And the curves and the distribution, you know, and the kind of the T-cell immunity. Suddenly now they're all about the guilts. They'll tell you, oh, the other thing about guilts, no, and the market, you'll say, oh, fuck off, you don't know. You're just repeating stuff from Robert Peston. Um, but, you know, we, there's undeniable that whatever, whether it works out to be a good thing for growth or the country in the long run, that there was this initial impact which had an effect on the currency guilt markets and also, uh, you know, raised the, the prospects of interest rate rises and change mortgage deals and so on and so forth, right? But the the pound did then recover, not like fully, but it recovered to where it was before. We got the new, the, the, you get these guys now, the pound goes up, pound goes down, guys, constantly reporting on every single movement of the pound. Um, you've got to have more in your life to do than constantly, well, sterling's back up, sterling's back down. But most of the reporting is of, of it going down. And it just made me think that that there are, there is, there's mixed news around, you know, look, People haven't paid more for their mortgages. That's unequivocally shit for your average person. But we had this news that in the second quarter, the, uh, the economic growth was upgraded to growth. You know, they thought there might be a contraction, but it was there was growth in the second quarter. Uh, we also had news that the, the pound had recovered a bit, um, that the IMF had upgraded UK growth. Uh, so now the UK was the fastest growing nation in the G7 last year and predicted to be so this year. I know that some people say that's only because of tax cuts, but this is the problem, isn't it? Whenever there's good news around, they go, well, you know the good news, that's also bad news because it's, it's good news that's happening badly. Same as unemployment. There's also unemployment, a record 50-year low. But oh, well, that, 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 we, that's not good news because uh, it's happening badly. And I know that there's other factors, I don't know, long-term people that are not in, in the marketplace, but... I just ask news outlets and, and media commentators to just allow some things to just be good. It is absolutely relentless shit news at the moment. And that's coming off the back of, you know, Brexit and then the pandemic and then, you know, war, <laughs> plague, war, pestilence. We've had it all. Can we, can we just allow, we allow something to be good. And then, so to, to prove that point today, um, the day after the IMF upgraded the UK growth for this year, uh, it turns out that August suffered a contraction. Right? Okay, 0.3%. It's not great, but um, it's so disproportionate, the level of, of focus. And you do get the feeling that the tide has irrevocably turned against the Tories, certainly in terms of coverage, right? It's so vehement and relentless. I mean, obviously, that that, that was the case un, under Brexit, um, you know, while Brexit was happening, and to an extent, the pandemic. But... Now there's proper blood in the water, isn't there? There's real blood, you know, to the point where you think that there could be, you know, a government could essentially fall. I know that that's still unlikely, but it could happen. And and you look at certain uh, mainstream media commentators, you know, your, your Beth Rigsby's, Rigsby's? <laughs> uh, James O'Brien, Emily Maitlis, John Sopel, people like that. And if you're just honest, it's not, it's not it doesn't make them bad people, but Starmer is, is their sort of person. You know, he'd be like, you know, oh, Emily, it's good to see you at the party. Uh, thank you for your support. <laughs> so about the way that man says his piece, isn't it? Metropolitan, Neapolitan, Polly picked up 
Oh God, can you imagine if he did that? And and so in 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 the coverage, is it possible to sort of because what he is, he's what what the centre left often like is he's kind of like a version of conservatism that wrapped in a left wing banner. There you go. Look at look at old Jeff talking like somebody from fucking Novara Media. But they are, you know, I mean the news is the news, and and, and there's no, there's no real stories, I guess, that they're that they're um, reporting on that aren't legitimate news in some way, but it's the level of fucking glee in it. <laughs> you know what I mean? They are. Just think, if you were a journalist and you had a political bias and at the time you were a journalist, the people you were opposed to were having a shit show, would you be able, how, to what extent would you be able to to keep that under wraps? I don't know. Is it too much to ask of journalists to to keep that under wraps? But... There's still little things that I just, I just still, is it, I, I think that if you're a mainstream political commentator, I just like a bit of objectivity. When we talk about the government crashing the economy, you think, well, they, they didn't. I mean, they, they, they caused certain market uh, changes, which might crash the economy and they might crash the economy in the long run, but they haven't yet. It's literally not true. You know, but it's not, I don't think, I don't think it's escapable this for the Tories, you know. Those polls a week or so ago showing that the Tories were down in low 20%. You thought, well, maybe that's an outrider and stuff as people take on board the uh, the fallout from the mini budget. But then, you know, the problem is, is that the 45p tax rate thing and the uh, the changes in bankers' bonus, it played to people's worst fears uh, about the Tories, didn't they? I don't think most people understood the corporation tax thing. If you put it up a lot at this time, it might deter business. But it was almost symbolic. You know, you could almost imagine the Tories handing that money over to specific people. And I would say there are a lot of people who are in the 45p bracket that are being spoken about like absolute billionaires that would probably come as a surprise to them. I'm not saying it's not a great position to be in, but it's not. we're not talking like... We talk, we talk sometimes on social media like people earning at that level are, are all fucking Elon Musk. You know what I mean? <laughs> if you're on the 45p rate, you're going, well, how's, how's your power boat? And I'm like, I'm actually, uh, I'm actually in debt. You know, you fuck off, you fat cat. You fucking fat cat. I don't your fucking money. It must be, they must be, <laughs> they, you know, you've got to feel for them. Some of them, some of them put down payments on stuff. Some of them were looking forward to it. They, they were going to use that money. It was going to trickle down. Maybe if they did have their power boat, maybe... Maybe they got a respray job. That money goes back. It okay. I can't. It's a difficult time to make an argument uh, for such things. But there is so little context as well of what's being discussed. That's another issue I have. All right, gang up on the Tories, slaughter them for their mistakes. But the lack of context about what's happening internationally. I mean, you just can't ignore the interest. You know, inflation in places like Holland is seventeen percent, and around Europe. You know, there's a lot of places that are double digit or above. If you look at economic growth around other similar European countries, it's you know, it's a lot. Most of them are lower than the UK. And if you look at interest rates where they are already in the US, you just don't hear about this stuff. And and I I don't know. I know that we can't constantly tell you what's happening in every country, but it does feel like context is important here. It feels like the impression seems to be given that all of the rest of the world is charting this kind of straight line, you know, plain sailing, economic course, where the UK is in its little catamaran fucking zigzagging everywhere, do you know what I mean, crashing into icebergs, that the other countries are managing to avoid. So that's all I ask, it's just a bit of context. How, how can you not, how can you understand anything without context? And one interesting thing is, you know, with, the, with people's talk about the effects of government sort of profligacy, is that a fucking word? 
profligacy around um, spending and borrowing is it does make people who have, you know, for the last 10 years have said that austerity was this ideological choice. It does make you look back at that time and go, well, if you're saying that doing something that spooked the markets and caused a rise in the cost of government borrowing is a bad thing, then what what do you now think about 2010? Because you've got to remember, you know, back then, it's easily forgotten that back then that was the only game in town was some form of austerity. Labour did run in 2010 on an austerity ticket. You know, a different kind of austerity under Gordon Brown. It would be, it would be a very austere austerity. Gordon Brown. He's, he's become a fucking hero as well, isn't he? Gordon Brown. That was one of the big unexpected things of 2022, is that people going, Gordon Brown for PM. What? Fucking, that is a turnaround. That is the equivalent in politics of, do you know when like Craig David was a joke figure for years, but then we recognised that he was a legend of UK garage. <laughs> Spent years in the wilderness, Gordon Brown. You know, he's still, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. God, I fucking remember that. I'm not like that fucking shiny-haired twat, Tony. What most people think. Okay, one of the benefits of being a board member Patreon, which is if you are voluntarily... It's all, you know, it's very clandestine, all this. You voluntarily go to £20 a month or above is that we... I ask questions on the main podcast if there's any of the board members that want any... What is it? A- extraordinary business? Extra, <laughs> extraordinary business. That just sounds like something you ask for from a, from a cool girl. Does that word still exist? Cool girl? Vice girl? Do you remember that word? That word here's another word that's disappeared recently. Senior citizen is the word. Did that? That's actually like a really positive way of speaking about old people. Now it's just pensioners or geriatrics. Pensioners always pisses me off because it kind of makes it sound like you know it sort of it sort of excludes the really rich rich ones that are uh, you know going on a Viking river cruise every other week. But senior citizen, that's, there's something dignified about that, isn't there? Want to be a senior citizen? It, it sounds a lot better than you know someone who just forgets what they went into a room for. Um, the extraordinary business. So the first one is from uh, James Rogers. And he says, given how less than two years before the next election, the government has put up many people's mortgages to the tune of a couple of hundred quid. I mean, this is a problem. The government hadn't done that directly, but that's the way that people feel about that. Uh, re-election prospects do not look good. Do you think it's better to go full throttle, full throttle with Trussonomics? Um, Trussonomics does sound like a rapper, doesn't it? You know, <laughs> from the mid late night. Yeah, Trussonomics in the house. Making you feel it, you might lose your you might lose your house. Yeah, interest rates rising, the guilt market cannibalizing. Um, <laughs> see, my post Vegas head was not up for a freestyle there. Like, what the fuck was that? My brain was just literally the my brain's creative union got involved there. Sorry, you did not clear this with us that you would be coming to us for a rap ad lib and uh, that kind of thing has to be set up way before the record. Um, he says, do you think it's better to go full throttle with Trustonomics or play it safe for the next government with the iron rebuilding the party? Better to lose 3-2 playing a 4-4-2 with the iron the second leg than losing 4-0 playing all-out attack. I mean, it does feel like... I mean, that's what I keep thinking. I think they must be... The, the amount of criticism they're getting for this, they must think that it's going to work for the country. And maybe they have sacrificed the idea of the next election and the idea being that they can look back, you know, when Labour come in, uh, with the country's balance books in better condition and say, well, the Tories did that. We took the hard decisions so Labour could have a... to fuck it up again, <laughs> essentially. I don't think... Well, in terms of Truss's premiership, put it this way, I don't think she can fully change tack now, otherwise she's just dead. What is the point then? What is the point? Right at the beginning of, of your career as Prime Minister, 
you've undertaken the the greatest U-turn in British political history, probably. So she's kind of got to go for it. But the problem is that the 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 sort of yield of this won't be for a while. Minimum, what, nine months, 12 months? You know, what the best that you could hope for from this is that in the fourth quarter of the year, in the first quarter of the next year, we have significantly big... And I'm talking like a percent in one quarter, maybe more. And you probably wouldn't know that until spring of next year. And also from the Conservative Party, if they defenestrate her, they'll just... They'll just look ridiculous. I, mean, I, don't, I don't think people can will forgive a party that just continually fucking respawns like series of Doctor Who, you know? Just, like It'd be like Doctor Who, but like they keep changing who the Doctor is every third episode. Uh, There's a question from uh, Adam Lewis, another board member. He says, uh, I was at a dinner party on Sunday in Copenhagen. Uh, and one of the guests said to me, I bet you wish the Boris was back in charge. At least he was in control. And the only thing he did, he did was have a party. Um, so Adam says, have we already reached that point where we are reminiscing about Boris's time in office? Um, again, it's presentism, isn't it? It's context. It's very easy to forget that, that Boris Johnson, the reason he eventually went was because he told another lie and it was about Chris Pincher, you know, and, and the feeling became, it became apparent that this was never going to stop. You know, like you, you had a prime minister that was constantly embattled by, Scandal, really. And now we have a Prime Minister that's immediately embattled by actual political uh, ramifications, which it turns out are a lot bigger than, than the odd party. And yeah, I think that, you know, certainly in the Commons, I think that they'll miss his his sort of, his brio, you know what I mean? His his ability to... One thing I, has, I have noticed actually at PMQs is that they are a lot more attacking uh, the Labour MPs. They're a lot more um, mocking... Of, of Liz Truss, and I don't know if that's his, you know, some unfortunate manifestation of sexism, I'm not saying it definitely is, maybe they treat her differently, or maybe they were just a bit wary of Boris, you know, because Boris might turn on them and call him a bloody, bloody human bollard, or make him look stupid, I don't know, um, but I, th- I think that there will be a lot of Tory MPs that are thinking, fuck, <laughs> we should have maybe, maybe just rode the last one out because I suppose but would it have ever stopped with Partygate probably not there was still a public affairs thing it would it would have just kept coming out there were clearly people uh, there were forces at work that would never have stopped and, and, and he was that kind of person that would would have sadly always offered up uh, more ammunition for the next scandal Okay, we're going to welcome some more patrons to the Patreon community. Remember, it keeps the podcast weekly uh, and ad-free. Uh, Rob Gorn. I think Rob is a returner, so I'll keep going on about it. Patreon occasionally bump people out. Uh, Rob, welcome back. It's good to have you back on board. Uh, Darren Carter, who I think is another returner. And I'm, I might have said this joke before, but every time I say his name, I can't help but think about... Uh, <laughs> was that sold by, by the Manic Street Preachers? Ian Carter. No, that's not the man. No, Ian Carter was the golf correspondent. He's the guy. <laughs> Ian Carter is the golf correspondent for uh, Five Live. Kevin Carter. Kevin Carter. I always thought that song was kind of funny because like, it just sounded like he was talking, singing about some really mundane guy. You know, lived in Billericay and drove a fucking Mondeo. Kevin Carter. They're apparently some famous photographer. Uh, we got Anthony Ray. Anthony Ray. Anthony Ray, what's your um, nickname within the group? It's got to be something in it. Anthony Ray, Ray Dog, Ray Guns. Whereas Tony Ray, on the other hand, sounds like somebody, somebody from The Godfather, doesn't it? 
You want to bring around Tony Ray? Hey, you got a, somebody made a mess on your back seat? You bring around Tony Ray. There was a period in American gangster films where the, there was always a character that had to just clean up the, the blood from the dead body thing, but they were always made out to be the real cool one. You know, like, you got to get that guy around here. Uh, Mr. Clean up there, Tony Ray. You go, That's the shittest job in the world. Why have we glamorised somebody essentially doing your, cleaning your sort of upholstering in your car from blood? <laughs> hey, if you kill somebody... He's the absolute guy that you're going to need. It's still it's still not great work, is it? Is it? It's not fun work. Uh, there's somebody that's joined who's just called Meat. Not even Meat as in M-E-A-T, just Meat as in let's meet again. So I don't know. I don't know what to presume from that. Maybe you were, maybe you work in a particularly, you know, left-wing institution. Hey, maybe you're the producer for Beth Rigby's show on Sky and you can't admit it. <laughs> meet me out the back. I've got info on Beth Rigby. Yeah, she, you know what? Secret. She's actually quite left-wing. Fucking hell. Mind blown. Uh, and then Andrew Jackson, who I think was one of the first presidents of the US. Was Andrew Jackson the first one? Let's have a look at Andrew Jackson. You know what? I'm going to leave that. That's what, that's what the main talking point is for. So thank you, Mr. President. for your. I mean, that thing of um, a presidents being called Mr. President for the rest of their lives, that is, that is a real... That's enough, isn't it, to make you want to do deals with really bad people. If I could just be president, even for like a year, for the rest of my life. I mean, I'm now just basically going through Donald Trump's thought process. Mr. President, Mr. yeah, that's right. It's like, uh, is it the same with people who win the Masters, that they're allowed to win, uh, wear the jackets forever? Um, I do, I'm giving plenty of work for David Domain now. But uh, but yeah, welcome to the Patreon community. The Patreon gigs, as I say, will be coming up uh, in January and March. Uh, do go and, as I say, listen to my Radio 4 show, Jeff Rendon, which is on BBC Sounds. For all you funky kids out there, BBC Sounds, man. <laughs> Some of you will still be Googling, when you're still through iPlayer, thinking all the radio stuff's there. It's not. And there's the Late Night Mash podcast. If you still haven't heard enough of this geezer fucking talking, there's a Late Night uh, Mash podcast, which I think we're on episode six now with Olga Cock, which you can find on iTunes. And uh, yeah, I mean, if you still want to hear my voice, then, uh, you know, I might have to introduce another Patreon tier where uh, you know, I'll just come around your house. You know what I mean? I'll come around the house and... Just whisper into your ear as you fall asleep. There's one little bit that we didn't uh, cover in the politics section because it was overrunning, but Nicola Sturgeon calling, uh, what's it saying? She detests, she detests the Tories and all that they stand for. I mean, she, I mean, it's a good, that's a good line going into SNP conference, isn't it? It's good, good. I, I detest them and everything. Because she was asked who they'd prefer, she'd prefer to be in office. So rather than saying obviously fucking Labour, which is what she meant, she was like, well, it's an easy one for me because I detest the Tories and everything that they stand for. I mean, that, that's just kind of like the, the sort of line that you do on social media, isn't it? Or, or to get like a yes queen or, yeah. <laughs> you know, immediately that. But I, I, I haven't checked, but there's probably T-shirts in production uh, with Sturgeon's face and that quote on it. Um, and this is the thing that, you know, just going into SNP conference, um, it's just a reminder that she is a populist Sturgeon, right? She's not. She's not stupid. She knows how that kind of thing will play out, and and you know, weirdly, the SNP are in a different, uh, similar situation in Scotland where they've been in power since 2010, and they're facing a lot of similar problems, certainly with public services. But she just, you know, like Macron shitting on the British, um, Sturgeon will shit, you know, shit down south. <laughs> Just sit on the big old bog of politics and just just launch one southwards, right? 
And it is interesting, you know, with with this conference that they've got, where she said that we are the independence generation, and and I think it's a good time for the SNP to have their conference, given the market turmoil down, you know, that's caused from West Monster Market. This is what they do here: fuck up your money. Whereas us, the SNP, me and fucking John Swinney there, you can trust us, <laughs> and the Bank of Scotland. Uh, it'll be a new fucking bank and it will run very smoothly. Um, I'm sure it will. But the indi- the independence question, it will be an emotional one. Like, you know, to some degree, Brexit was. Uh, indeed, it was for me to a point. And, and I suppose right now they're looking down south and going, do you want to be a part of that? That fucking shake show. Constant Tory rule. Fucking leaders. I mean, as I say, it does sound like quite a compelling argument. But... Uh, she w- she will want to get a referendum as soon as she can because there is a chance that we emerge from some of the post COVID turmoil that you know say for example trustonomics trustonomics in a place starts working, then you know the arguments start to drift away and also the anger from you know being forced out of the European Union certainly for people in Scotland that voted remain that starts to drift a bit. And, and it will get harder for her if there is a Labour government in power, I'd imagine, you know, because she, before she was like, we, we really want to be run by fucking Boris. Or you want to be fucking Liz Mad Bastard Truss. Uh, whereas Keir Starmer, they'll just be like, eh. <laughs> um, and the arguments do move around. That's what's interesting for the SNP. You know, they spoke for a while about, you know, the, the dangers of a hard border and the economic impact. Respecting the outcome of referendum, you know, I mean, that would be interesting if there is another independence referendum and Scotland does vote yes. And then what will she think? It's particularly how she tried to manoeuvre and the SNP tried to manoeuvre towards a second referendum or revoking. If we just say, uh, oh, well, you know, the thing is, yeah, Scotland did vote for it, but it's real. you know, you're not going to get a better deal than one you had. So maybe just stick with it. Then they'll have to talk about, remember the word? Sovereignty sovereignty you know that word will come back and it'll be funny because you'll see a lot of left-wing commentators that will be swayed by the emotional argument that the SNP will make for sovereignty but they completely disregarded that when you look at it in relation to rules being made by the EU so it'd be interesting to see what comes out of the SNP conference but I do think that I just look you could say a lot of things about your political opponent but detest it sort of alludes to the idea that you think that there are goodies and baddies out there you know and as I said before, comedy, uh, <laughs> politics is, it's not about Jedi versus Sith, isn't it? And you know what, even if it was about Jedi versus Sith, I think that the public in this fictional kind of space political analogy would just go, well, who's the most competent? <laughs> I don't give a fuck, yeah, because that's what always gets lost. And, and this is why the Tories could be so damaged by what's happened recently, because you've got a lot of, for a lot of the country, they'll go, yeah, parties, yeah, Boris, yeah, this... My fucking mortgage is going up. Okay, maybe it's time to give the Jedi's a go. Okay, just a quick bit on John Cleese here. So while I was away in Vegas, have I mentioned my holiday in Vegas? Uh, I was consuming my news through mainstream sources. So there was me thinking it was all about these horrible, you know, uh, explosions and terrorist attacks and, and wars and Crimean bridges. But luckily when I got back... And got back on social media, I realised that the real news, of course, was that John Cleese had been uh, given his own show on GB News. I mean, it's such an idiot. I felt foolish to think that this other stuff constituted global events when actually it's just uh, a guy doing an hour a week on a on a TV station. I mean, I'm just, I'm just going to keep it this really short, but I find it so weird the extent to which certain people on the left obsess over GB News. I mean, on the... 
because it's completely paradoxical. On the one hand, they'll tell you, uh, uh, you know, but no one, no one watches it. I mean, you're talking like, well, you know, maximum hundred thousand people watching it at any given time. You go, okay, well then, surely that's good for you, right? That's, I mean, it's not irrelevant numbers, but it's not huge numbers. When they, but then they get really upset about what is on the channel and who is on it. And every time somebody joins it, whether it be a comedian on headliners who who they rated or you know, whether it be a journalist that they, they thought was a good journalist. It just, because it undermines their initial argument that it was either going to be like Fox News or, or, or GBBs or whatever they call it. They get annoyed and, and John Cleese is on it. And, you know, I've been a bit neither here nor there on GB News, but, yeah, you know, I, I just, every time people climb into it like this, it makes me want to support it more. I just hope, I hope that, like, I hope they sign someone that really goes up their ass sideways, you know. Not not just like a like a guy like John Cleese because they go well he's older and he's always going on about woke this woke that. Someone that would really get like a really credible artist, like Ross Noble, just <laughs> somebody fucking random out of nowhere. Someone that they couldn't possibly claim was like a right wing shill, you know. Peter Tatchell, Peter Tatchell joins GB News. They just they just keep signing people that they can't. Emma Watson, Emma Watson, Watson's hour. Just completely, just, 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 I, I would fund, I would fund GB News. I'd put in money to help get them to a point where they had the fighting fund to just continually sign uh, people on, you know, public figures who people on the left think are credible and worth listening to, just to see the fucking Twitter meltdown. Okay, just got one letter. This came through uh, the Patreon. Just remember, that's one of the Patreon benefits is that you can get a direct message uh, to me. Uh, this gentleman, I won't mention his name, but he, he shares something about uh, a mental health issue in his situation with uh, his father, which I ex- express my sympathy and condolences with. But he also gives me a bit of trash talk on my name, which I guess no one's done yet, which I think this is very creative. And he says, uh, on your name, uh, Jeff Norcott. Jeff Norcott sounds like the guy on the street who bought his council house early doors along with a Toyota MR2. His kids materialised during the summer holidays but kept themselves to themselves. Rumoured to have a PlayStation 2 at their mum's house. <laughs> Always had a skip on the drive. Uh, let local dads have hardcore and timber cut-offs when needed. Recycling box was always full of empty Stella bottles and, it, and inexplicably Alcopops. Alcopops. Showed up to a neighbour's barbecue once but left after an hour without saying anything. <laughs> I mean, Stella bottles wouldn't be far off. I do have incredibly mainstream tastes uh, when it comes to lagers. And I, I would say, but in my defence, I, I, even even back in the 90s when alcohol was shit, I st- steered clear of the Alcopop thing. I knew that it lacked credibility. I was more of a Thunderbirds man myself or a Super Kestrel. Fuck it, hell. Anyway, on those disgusting 90s alcohols, bombshells, uh, thank you very much for listening to this week's episode. We're back with a big with a big guest next week, so do listen out for that. And if you are going to the US, uh, just remember what I said about the duty freeze. Oh.